podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome back to Who Got the Assist in the aftermath of the second weekend of the 2023-2024 season. Looking ahead to game week three here. I'm Tom, I'm here with a beer as usual. I'm ready to chew through the first X versus Y of the season, I think, for us in many ways. We'll come on to that and contemplate in just a bit. Joined by Sam, as always, you all right? Yeah, all good, thanks. How how are you? Oh, I'm all right, I'm all right. Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> Had a, a fairly a fairly fun weekend. Went to a friend's barbecue and uh, uh, went to, went to see some of my other host friends as well. So my little girls met loads of new people, and she was very very excited, which was mm. quite good. Although on Sunday she was very tired as a result of having a very very energetic Saturday. This is my life now, Sam. This is my life. Yeah. You always ask me what I've been up to this weekend, so I thought I'd throw it back at you today because the listeners <laughs> never get to hear what you're up to. So that's a little bit of a. A peek behind the curtain of Tom's life for you all. Um, mine was a little bit of drinking, so my throat is a little bit sore. I did tell Tom, <laughs> I think it's because of the shouting over all the loud music. How old am I? Um, but yeah, if I start coughing at any point, I do apologise. I'll try and mute myself if that does happen. Um, but in the meantime, we are Who Got the Assist. Uh, we'll skip the longer intro today and go straight to the mini league code, which if you're not in already, we'll close it off in a couple of weeks. But there is still time to get into the mini league now. That code is M-I-N-L-U-D. So do make sure you are registered to that before we shut it off in a couple of weeks time. On today's pod, we're, as Tom mentioned, going to have our first X versus Y of the season, which could be really interesting. We've got Contemplate to come, which will really delve into that question for the start. Try to assess whether we jump on the emerging bandwagons after a couple of weeks and going into a bit of detail if we have, in fact, seen enough after just two weeks of data or whether we want a little bit longer before making wholesale changes to our to our teams. Bold claims as well. I think we're looking at potentially another three strikeouts this week. So we've got three, <laughs> well, two fresh bold claims for you, uh, for you all today. And then we'll be posing the question to you all for your bold claims for game week three. And then we've got... Uh, Quite a few listener questions to go through as well. So we'll try to fit in as many, if not all of them, if we can towards the end of the pod. Obviously, we'll take a look at our teams as well and how we're setting up ahead of game week three, because I think I'm right in saying we've got two free transfers each. So yep. plenty of mistakes that we can both make. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's perfect. And um, it's also, as, as of last week, we're recording in the second half of, of the final game of the game week. Arsenal versus Palace is playing in the background. It's Monday, 21st of August, in case you're listening to this in the future and are saying, why are those guys pushing in Buemo? He's just done his cruise ship. Hopefully, <laughs> he doesn't. Please don't do your cruise ship, Brian. I don't want to jinx you or anything like that. Right. Uh, so, I mean, scores on the doors for this game week, Sam. It's It's not been the most fantastic of game weeks after a really good one last week um but i, I think you know the teams are, are still worse are still set up very well I, I think the biggest kind of talking point i'm not gonna go for our entire teams here so we spoke about them last week as well mm-hmm. but i love how last week the main sort of thing we were talking about on whatsapp and things and agonizing about was turner versus inana it was just yeah. totally irrelevant <laughs> Yeah, it has been quite funny to watch. I mean, after the first game, like obviously an absolute thunderbastard to break the 
the clean sheet for Turner. So can't really complain about that. I thought generally they look pretty good. Um, but yeah, you can't really complain when something like that goes in. Um, but yeah, as soon as that happened, it looked almost written that Turner and Anana would end up on the same amount of points, making no difference to our sides whatsoever. So all of that agonising over the whole week meant absolutely nothing to us. I don't think many keepers have kept clean sheets, unless you're an Edison owner, obviously, this week. Yeah. So it was all very... Um, nonsensical really all of that debating that we did so we're both currently well until the Arsenal game kicked off the, these screenshots are a little bit old um without the Arsenal players added in we were both on 38 points which means we're both on exactly the same game week rank and on the season rank as well because we started off the season on the same amount of points as well so 38 points each not yep. accounting for the Arsenal players as it stands it's nil nil after 51 minutes. So hopefully clean sheet points come in soon because we're both Saliba owners. But we're waiting for that Martinelli hat-trick to come any minute now. It's looking less and less likely. <laughs> but uh, we, we live in hope. I think the only thing to kind of remark on here, for me, uh, we both own this opinion in Matoma. Uh, Matoma's mm-hmm. got a goal and assist. And, uh, but both, we also have this opinion in. But remember, we were saying last week about, oh my, you know, at the very, very end, we were just flipping around, flip-flopping everywhere. And Matoma somehow ended up in our team. And last week, we were like, oh, Jar Pedro of seven, Matoma with five, we're down there. And then mm-hmm. this week, the, the, the turns tabled very, very <laughs> <laughs> abruptly on the poor Jar Pedro owners of zero points versus Matoma getting a 12. So, I think that's probably mm. just, just one thing to remark on. And obviously, United guys, both blanks, which is going to come up in contemplate, which I suppose we'll speak about now, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. I'll skip straight through uh, the other team because it's almost identical. Obviously, Turner for Anana. We both picked the other way from each other. But yeah. yeah, we're on the same game week rank and the same season rank, which is about 700k, I think. So moving on to contemplate and the headline act today is Brian and Buemo scored two goals over the weekend, obviously one of which was a penalty, but did look fantastic value for money yet again. I think he's still at 6.6 million. So he's had one price rise, but isn't the bandwagon hasn't completely set out off and the train isn't out of the station yet. So there's still time to hop on him if you've got that little bit in the bank from 6.5 million as well, such as Matoma, like we both have in our team. So there's plenty to debate there. And of course, the Man United assets that... A lot of us do have, a lot of us have at least one, quite a few of us have Bruno to accompany Rashford as well, both failing to give us anything to be inspired by yet again. And I think this performance, even more so than the uh, opening day performance, was pretty disheartening for any owners out there, especially with just one game week left of their good opening run. Is it time to have a look elsewhere. Could we be looking at Brian and Buemo or perhaps are there other assets to take a look at to replace those faltering Man United boys? Certainly. I mean, should we start with the players going out first? So uh, there's a few, a couple of options, I think, kind of in the template, the, the pro template, which is the key one being Buemo in almost 400,000 chances in for Buemo at the moment. Set to rise even further. Arsenal just scored. So I think it might have been sack a penalty. Um, okay, okay. Take it in my stride. Continue. Um, <laughs> but removing United players is, is interesting. So Nathan Jacobson, for example, asked us, um, do I remove Rashford, who's got terrible form, but still has a good fixture remaining, as Sam just touched on there. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I think there, are, there were quite a few of us who started with a couple of Man United players, including both of us, so Bruno and Rashford. And weighing up which one to remove is quite interesting. On, I think it was on Saturday night, people were kind of saying, oh, you know, uh, 
I'm removing Bruno now for Burma. I've had enough. And I was thinking to myself, well, that, that's an interesting one because Bruno, second for SGI so far, 2.2, and only two mm. games I know. But the last game, the Spurs game, over 1.5 XGI, one point. <laughs> you know? That header, that header, I don't know how he missed it so badly, but yeah, that's got to account for a lot of that, surely. And then Anthony hit the post uh, from another kind of ball through and not as approval but one so i mean if he'd have scored i think that was a pen shout as well wasn't it the romero handball so if, if he'd have scored mm. that, it was one that you wouldn't really have a decision about it rashford at 0.89 sgi so far this season and try, trying to weigh up which one to sell is quite an interesting question because you've got mm. low xgi lower eo i know some people don't care about it but i kind of do so lower eo so he could constitute quote unquote the safer sale if you are going to go down that way whereas mm. rashford if he's playing as number nine, we've spoken about it a fair bit, but it's a case of killing two birds with uh, killing killing one uh, one stone with two birds actually. Uh, <laughs> but so ineffectual up top, and United simultaneously robbed themselves of one of the most potent attacking weapons. Mm. So I mean, if, if a nobody like me can see that, surely ETH can, and surely you know we'll be looking at maybe you know R- R- Sancho or Martial starting, as I said, Sam. And if that mm. happened, I'd sold Rashford. And suddenly he's starting on the left against Forest. I'm going to be really worried. So it, yeah. it's a tough, it's a tough one to weigh up, really. Um, uh, in terms of those two, certainly have really, really uh, disappointed us over the last couple of weeks. But with Bruno, particularly, it's not for want of trying. Yeah, I think if you take EO out of it to start with, based on what we've seen on the pitch so far, Bruno is the easier hold. He's cheaper, he's on pens, and he looks the creative outlet at the moment. He has been unlucky not to return as well, as as you've already mentioned with the underlying data. I think with Rashford, because it's that fear of EO, but it's also the fact that all it takes is one decision from um, Ten Hag, and all of a sudden he is a fantastic pick again. I, I still can't believe that Sancho didn't play the false nine at some point. Well, from the start, even over the weekend. During the week, we were both pretty convinced that that would be the way they set up. Obviously, um, the weekend prior, it didn't look very convincing with him in the number nine. So you would have thought he would shift over to the left. However, obviously playing him through the middle again wasn't that effective. Against Forest, it's going to be a low block as well, you'd imagine. And Forest have actually performed really well in terms of the underlying data so far obviously they got the win at the weekend and like I mentioned it was basically one shot on target one goal from outside the box an absolutely beautiful strike that there's not really much saving those and there's not really much any team can do about those and then obviously in the first game of the season they kept Arsenal to under 1xg as well so maybe this is a team that they're going up against that isn't actually that bad or that much of a team to target at the moment so there is definitely an argument to sell one of these boys it's which one would you prioritize selling and then are you confident enough on the player you're buying to prioritize doing that this week when actually there might be moves elsewhere and of course they can because they're elite players they can return any week the effective ownership of Rashford is high so there is something to be a little bit fearful of there and Bruno's underlying data is still fantastic. So it feels like it's a bit of a catch-up bottle thing going on with him at the moment. All it takes is one and he could be on max bonus, penalty, assist, and all of a oh. sudden you're looking at a 15-pointer. It's filling me, it's filling me with fear. Um, yeah. 
you always create that sort of story, don't you? And you touched on it there talking about Forest that, yeah, you know, they've restricted the teams they've played against, especially away. And you've had that sort of, I don't know, I've been backing United players in FPL for years at home and just watched them really struggle against the low block. And that's precisely what Forest are going to do. I think we all know what the game plan is going to be. And, it, and then you've got that sort of as, a, as that EO versus XGI basically trade-off to make if you're mm. going to sell one of them. For what it's worth, I think at the moment, I it sounds it, it, again, it, it sounds incredibly cowardly. I probably would slate Bruno as being the safer sale. Like he's mm. he's points dodging, but there's a case that you can say, well, you know what. For Mbwemo, if he is the man who's going to come in, or maybe it's another man, Foden. Um, they're, they're both, you know, the fixtures are, the next fixture for um, for Brentford is Crystal Palace at home. They're on this evidence tonight against Arsenal. It took them quite well. They defended very well in the first half. Mm. And the matchups are very similar. And maybe for £2 million less, you'd be kind of less annoyed if Mbwemo messed. Because I, I guess, you know, this isn't really, it's one of those where this is like, you're, you're not removing a player because it's an enforced change. It's an elective change that like you're choosing to make that. So if, if you're not taking a hit, it's more kind of, a, there's a kind of this psychology behind it and trying to make yourself feel better about kind of reducing the risk. And you tell yourself all sorts of sort of stories about what could happen to make yourself feel better. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think Bruno's possibly the safer sale in terms of effective ownership. If you're going to gamify it, mm. Rashford's the safer sale if, they persist with him as, at the number nine. It's a I big if, though, isn't it? Because yeah. it looks so poor that it seems almost inevitable that he would go back to the left. I, I think with Bruno as well, the final point, um, if I may, is even though he looks like he's due a return, those returns are heavily weighted towards assists rather than goals. Other than the odd penalty here or there, he is a player that is a creative force more than a, a goal threat week yeah. in, week out, generally. Um, so whereas Rashford does look off the boil, if he's going to get anything, it's more, much more likely to be those goals. And the players that we're looking at bringing in, i.e. Mbwemo first up, much heavily weight, much more heavily weighted towards goals than assists, which obviously from a midfielder is additionally valuable. So moving Bruno down to an Mbwemo or a Foden, for example, you're looking maybe not so much with Foden. He, he mixes it up a little bit between goals and assists a bit more, but... And Buemo certainly is much more of a, a goal threat than Bruno. Mm. And therefore, the upside is potentially much higher, as we saw this weekend. Oh, that's a, that's a good line, Sam. I think I'll, I'll be using that in the future. Yeah, I'm just selling an assist. I'm selling an assister for a goal scorer. Oh, yeah, a penalty-taking goal scorer as well. I know <laughs> pet, Bruno's on pens too, but anything to tell yourself. <laughs> I like, I like it. I think Bumo's been watching Tony take pens, hasn't he? It's, it's, it's yeah. a very similar sort of technique, isn't it? They've been practicing them together. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Tony's <laughs> not back in not back in training until the 17th of September, he was saying on the Diary of a CEO podcast. But mm. yeah. So Bumo, I think we should probably mention him for a second, well, for a little yep. bit. Um, I, I, he's league's clear of, uh, I know again, two games in terms of XGI um, for this season thus far um, with the two penalties. But the one thing I was surprised by is if you take that out and just look at non-pen XGA, he's actually third. So he's doing particularly well. I think there, there was that big miss in the first game. Again, sample size in that first game uh, when he got when it got um, crossed over by Rico Henry, I think it was, and he cyphered over the bar. But great, you know, really good fixtures to come for him. Uh, Palace, Bournemouth, Hope home next, and Newcastle followed by Everton and Forest. So four good games in five as a wobbly United's fixtures harden after this Forest game. Um, 
analytic styling as well. So FPL Review seems obsessed with making me sell every player to get Mbumo in. And maybe I was a bit sort of, um, I was lukewarm on him pre-season. And maybe, as I said in the first pod back, after game week one, if I'd had more time, he may have re-entered my thoughts. But as it was, we kind of both kind of shoved in Matoma last minute. But could mm. this be the time to to do it? Yeah, so I think for me and my team, I've, I don't have anything in the bank. So a Matoma to Embuemo switch right now would be impossible. However, I'm personally looking at, if I don't get Embuemo for one of the United boys this week, waiting for game week three to get out of the way and then selling Matoma for Mbwemo in combination with another downgrade elsewhere is a really tempting move and one that I'm definitely eyeing up because Brentford's fixtures, like you mentioned, are much better for much longer than Brighton's are. And you're set, you're selling a player, however good Matoma is, and he is absolutely fantastic, but you're set, you're buying a player that's on penalties, that is nailed into that side and is now the attacking fulcrum of that side as well with Tony out for, for the foreseeable. So, yeah, Mbwemo is looking very tempting. His underlying data, even minus the penalties, like you mentioned, is looking mm. really positive as well. It, it feels like it's one of those question marks that we're trying to figure out ways that it wouldn't make sense. But every route I look at, every, every angle I try to put it into just proves again that he is actually a really good pick and good value at 6.6 million yeah and th- the other thing that i would add is that you often have a very very small window these days to get points from a player effectively until they suddenly become hugely owned so say bumo does do well against palace then suddenly everyone's buying him and you're if you have a good week next week um, and you're doing okay to start the season you'll suddenly kind of be looking at a dead asset like Almiron perhaps last year or a player like Riyad Mahrez and seasons gone by who started well, everyone's lumped on and suddenly you've just effectively got a dead asset in your team because everyone's owned the guy because he's done really well. I think Michael Antonio again is another example of that. Yeah. So getting in slightly early might make sense. If you started with him, you know, you're obviously reaping the benefits of that. And I think that there's the, the more we've spoken about it, the more kind of that, although I did kind of pillory it a little bit on Twitter, that initial sort of reaction of thinking, oh, you know, maybe it is the case that I just moved Bruno on to Bumo and suddenly I've got 2.5 million in the bank for game week four when the mm. fixtures are more suited to making a few kind of wholesale aggressive changes. Maybe that's the way to go at the moment. So yeah, I think there's a very strong pro template case here to be removing one of the Man United guys for uh for Mbumo, that's for sure um, mm. i think that there's an interesting kind of counterpoint there though uh, on the contemplate side that there's two kind of contemplates today fpl sis uh, says Mbumo or foden uh, to come mm. in for one of the united guys and foden i think sam is you, you mentioned him to me uh, the other day um just after just before the the game um in fact so it's not like a, a, a hot take but he's been <laughs> overlooked hasn't he uh, because Mbumo also got that brace and everybody's now jumping in because he's done those points yeah Foden's giving me all the feelings at the moment like every time he actually is starting consistently for City he gets points and especially in the role that he picked up over the weekend he, ju- he ran the show. He was absolutely phenomenal. I know Bernardo Silva is coming back and he's in training again soon, if not today. But Foden, the way he almost laid down that marker over the weekend against a really strong Newcastle side, he was so close to other points as well. It wasn't like that he got the assist. Yeah, yeah, he said it. He said it. 
linked and that was pretty much all he did all, all, all day. He was very close to other attack and returns combined with Haaland really well. On another day, it could have been a mega haul. And we see that quite a lot with Foden when he operates in those central spaces. He doesn't get to do that that often when KDB's in the side. So it's always... I'm always hesitant to look at Foden, even at the value of 7.5 million, which is really, really good. It, I'm hesitant when he plays out wide because I feel like he gets trapped out there a little bit too often for my liking. When he drifts into those central spaces, I, th I just think he's such a canny operator. He's so good with his feet yeah, that he yeah. can make those chances with those deft touches out of almost nothing. And those are the sort of pockets of space that you need a creative asset like Foden in to mm -hmm. unlock Haaland in those tighter games. So I really like Foden against the low block teams that are coming up against City in the next four or five game weeks. There are a lot of much, no offence to them, but weaker opposition that you would <laughs> expect to back, back away from City and try and tighten up all of those spaces. Foden in those games could be really effective in those central areas. So as long as he holds down that spot and keeps getting those 90 minutes, which so far he is, maybe this is finally the season we see Foden like nail down that spot and, and become the asset that we all think he can be. Just Pep keeps getting in, in our way a little bit. So yeah. whether or not he's a better asset than Mbumo on penalties and and leading the side as that as that almost talismanic yeah. figure now is a question mark, especially for one one million extra. But this is Man City we're talking about, a team that regularly get over three XG. So and he'll be serving Erling Haaland, the best striker in the world right now. So it's definitely a conversation. And I think Foden at I think he's around 10% ownership at the moment is still a relative differential considering all of the very template picks a lot of us have. It, it could be a real conversation to have between Foden and Numbremo. Definitely. I mean, as you mentioned, those few fixtures, uh, it's one of those where if City had started with more of a bang and there weren't so many great other assets lying around, we'd all be falling over ourselves to bring in City, wouldn't we? Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Nottingham Forest home, Wolves away. Those are the next five fixtures. That is insane. Mm. absolutely insane especially if as you said Foden is nailed in that team and given how Fred Bear City seems to be at the moment yeah you wouldn't really put it past him especially the performance you would you would you would you would put it past Pep though wouldn't you I mean you would find it very very difficult to yeah uh, to guess what Pep's gonna do I mean we all have trust been, issues <laughs> yeah fantastic player and then benches him but Foden himself said after the game a match of the day he was enjoying playing inside rather than out wide and he was hoping mm. he could continue those performances I think he was kind of saying I hope I can continue basically playing centrally so yeah I mean I I wonder in some ways if we're overlooking it to some extent and whether it, it kind of comes down to that sort of the points potential really and surely if, if we're looking at that you even though Brentford yesterday the double of Man City last season we've got to be looking if we're sizing up both of these players to come in and Bumo versus Foden don't you side on the, on the Man City player although if he is playing the assist the role Surely we look at the goal scorer in Mbumo. Again, mm. we're kind of back to kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm not sure. Um, what's your take on that one? Yeah, I think at the moment, I would be tempted to give either a week. And just to say, if I was buying one right now, it would probably be Mbumo. But that's only because I do have those trust issues with Foden. And I just, 
even though there's like barely any other options that could play there, I could just see something crazy happening like James McAtee or something just coming into the side out of nowhere and operating in that role, obviously going up against Sheffield United, who I believe he um, was out on loan to last season, uh, coming into that role and just owning it out of nowhere. So I would never put that past Pep and the, and the way they they structure their team. So I, I just have those trust issues. If I was if I was forced into making a move now, it would probably be Mbwemo just because I'm more confident that there's less that can go wrong there. But give me one or two more weeks of Foden starting regularly and looking looking electric and I'd probably then swing the other way and start prioritising Foden, despite the fact that he's less of a, a goal threat than Mbwemo. The, the amount of goals that City get... Mm probably outweighs the benefit of Mbwemo being that talismanic figure for a, a very good Brentford side, but they're, they're no Man City. I mean, th- there's a phased uh, fa- a phased retreat option on the table, of course, from the Man United guys. So you sell one this week for Mbwemo, and you sell the next one next week for Foden, if we're kind of feeling more confident. Well, I know we should be confident, but we're, we're feeling happy with Foden, especially because you said uh, Fulham at home, uh, that game is looking quite difficult for Fulham. Um, and I, I don't know, um, you've got United um, coming into decent fixtures again, game week six, uh, where they have mm-hmm. Burnley, Palace, Brentford, Sheffield United, a nice run of four there. So maybe then you look again to buy players back for that run. But I guess that's the beauty of having such a leveled pricing landscape, isn't it? If we're flexible and just play the fixtures with these guys, it's not really the end of the world if you're kind of just playing fast and loose with the player you're going to bring in. So Mitchell mm. Sterling asked us, how many 6.5 million midfielders should we have to hop on and hop off? Is it a case of having one or two? And I think it, it might, we may end up being in a spot right now where it is two and you just kind of, Play thickly with it. I'm, I'm throwing Foden into that mix, but we will mm. probably have Matoma as well. And if, if we do, if we did do the Rashford and Bruno phase withdrawal, uh, you'd end up with Foden at 7.5, and Matoma and, and Bumo both at 6.6. Maybe you want to get rid of Matoma as well. I don't know because a Newcastle game coming up. But maybe that's the way of kind of trying to exploit a level pricing structure at the moment just to play the fixtures with these guys. And I, I don't know whether we, you, you kind of, you have to size up on the case by case basis if you need to be ruthless with a player. So if it's just like, oh, he's doing well for me, but the fixtures are stiff in it, or whether you think, you know what, he's just going to keep returning no matter what. I think that could be a really interesting way of playing in the next few weeks because there are players like Bruno, like Madison, if he is okay, or Richarlison, if he does find his feet uh, at, uh, at Spurs, and also the, the Chelsea midfielders, if there is one that comes to the front of the Pack, which are all mm. worth considering because the fixtures are so good. So, I mean, that could be a way to do it. Just a carousel of mid-price mids entering and leaving our teams. Yeah, and I think if you play that system, and it looks quite likely that we're both going to end up down that route naturally because there are just so many good options in that sort of price point. But playing that system, I think it's really important that you just keep that little bit of flexibility with money in the bank, because getting back to a 7.5 or an 8 million asset, of which there are a lot of really good looking players, when their fixtures turn positive again, will be quite important to do quickly. So the likes of a Rashford or a Bruno might not look too appealing now, or maybe even a Madison at 7.5 as well might might not be too appealing right now if he's injured, for instance. So you head straight down to Embremo. Just make sure you don't spend all of your money, meaning that you're locked out of moving it back up. If you're going to play that in and out sort of lottery every week, make sure you've got that flexibility that you can 
get back to the players you want to get to at the top of that price range rather than just locking yourself into the lower end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that brings an interesting question, actually, because if you're trying to retain flexibility and trying to be nimble, when Mm. do you make these transfers? I mean, do you incur the potential price drops as, I guess, the, the less engaged managers do this too? I mean, we're not kind of advocating a reinvention of the world here we're basically saying to do what most quote-unquote casual managers will do it's like he scored those points and he's got a decent fish coming up i'm buying him i'm selling the guy who's done nothing and man fpl asks if you if your two transfers are fairly straightforward and clear and make it would making them today if, if it meant you save 0.3 0.4 be preferable to waiting until friday i don't know maybe there is more of a case especially early when there's no midweek uh, shenanigans to really worry you, um, no uh, European competition, no cup competitions, you've only got kind of the remote possibility, and it is remote. I think we kind of bear in mind uh, availability heuristic. We remember those easily retrievable memories. There are a few options um, in our heads when a player has got injured in, in training or something like that, because Sadio Mane a few years back. Um, but that doesn't really happen that often. So this is probably the best time of the season to take that chance, I think, Sam. Would you still be kind of waiting till Friday, especially bearing in mind that you are trading down? So it's absolutely fine to have that information, but having that sort of extra money in the bank and getting on the ban- on those bandwagons so you get the extra 0.1, 0.2, could that be something which is beneficial you know, going forward just to kind of continue to fuel that flexibility? Uh, so for me, and I play, everyone plays the game differently, but for me personally, I just always think information is everything. So I like making my moves basically as last minute as I can before I start worrying about the servers going down. So maybe about half an hour before the deadline. And that's just the way I operate. I price price changes are important. And I think if you're going to get locked out of a move that you are absolutely certain on, and that there aren't any midweek games for the players in question, then that's probably where I would bend and break my own rules there. But for me personally, I like having as much safety as I can and knowing they've played, they've trained all week, that there's been no reports of an injury or rotation or any leaks, which obviously we get every week now. None of that comes into the equation. I can just base my decision off of, I, off of all of the data available to me and... I've waited as long as I can to compile all of that information. That's just the way I I like to play. And even though I might miss out on that 0.2, maybe 0.3 swing if I'm unlucky, I personally don't mind as much about losing that additional team value, especially if you're trading down and you've got and, and you've got that time that you can take if you want to take it, you're not going to be priced out of a move. It might mm. mean later on in the season, you're 0.1 short of another player at some point, but I think <coughs> it's very rare that that happens. And then there's no other alternative route to the player you want, or there's no alternative player that you can get to that isn't almost as beneficial to you. There's always another way to solve the puzzle later on in the season for that, for the sake of that 0.1, 0.2. And I, I, it's quite a safe and secure way of playing. And I realise that that's quite risk uh, risk management sort of uh, level, quite extreme. But that's just the way I like to play it. I mean, the, the only thing I would point out there is that it might actually be that money will start to play a role. Um, depending on if you like uh, Mo Salah, for example. So Liverpool from game week five to game week 12 uh, don't play any teams in last year's top six. A, a tricky assignment against Spurs in seven and Brighton eight. 
Um, but neither of those teams can defend either. And the rest of the teams are absolute peaches, uh, the rest of those games. So maybe there is there will come a time when you want that extra flexibility um, mm. and you might need that extra 0.1 to fit everybody in. Um, so that, that might be something that might make you think it's time now to just take that risk and kind of garner that extra 0.1 where you can or um, you know, fend off that 0.1 million value loss. Could be something worth bearing in mind, especially for you actually, because you've got 0.0. Mm. Might be something to might be something to think about, especially if you're kind of, you know, hoping that in the future you're going to be able to, you know, capitalize on good fixture runs for the, the more pricey players. I mean, it is only Salah, really, which which kind of creates that sort of conundrum for managers where we need to worry about how do we fit everything together. But yes, it's, it's something worth thinking about. I, I if I do see the prices are about to change this week. I think it will be mighty hard for me to avoid the temptation to to not make the move. I think kind of to round off contemplate or pro template um before we move on. So I think there's there's kind of another part of it, but I think this is the main sort of pro and con. It will be mm. very difficult for me to I th- I think from our conversation, I am thinking that Bruno is the guy who will go. I know the SGI um, but moving him for in Bumo, if the two of them if there's that 0.2 swing situation developing over the next week or so, uh, well, obviously over the next week, then that will be when I kind of start to think, hmm, I might get an itchy trigger finger then, Sam. Hmm. I mean, are you swayed in any way? Or are you, are you, because you, you said you weren't entirely sure. And there's the striker question as well. Uh, yeah. Which there, we should probably there... move on to. Yeah, we'll move, we'll definitely move on to the striker question next as well, um, because it all comes into the same question really of priorities for me. And Man United assets were always going to be a, a, or were meant to always be a, a hold for the first three game weeks, play them out there. And then I was going to make an assessment on whether I hold on to two of them, get rid of one or potentially even shift both. And I think trying to play by my own rules, giving these assets long enough to impress in my team is really important, especially when they are quality players fundamentally, which they are. So giving them that chance against Nottingham Forest before moving them on when the fixtures turn a little bit less less positive might be the way I end up looking at things. But I think if I had no other moves to make, Abuemo in for Bruno or possibly Rashford, but I think I'd probably sway with you and go and go Bruno out as it stands, would be a, a really tempting move I think because I've got one or two other moves elsewhere in my team that I'm tempted to make and because I actually really like the look of getting rid of one of the Man United assets and I'm not hyper confident which one I want to get rid of yet Mm. leaving that move for next week when I know that I'm going to want to get rid of one and I'll have one extra week week's worth of information to make that decision with I think is probably more tempting than shipping one this week and risking them going nuclear against Forest, which admittedly looks fairly unlikely right now, but it's yeah. only been two weeks and Man United are still a good side and these are good players we're talking about. So I yeah, wouldn't be surprised absolutely. to see either of them get a pretty decent return next week. So yeah, yeah I, I might be contemplate on this one, um, which okay. I, I, I'm pretty 50-50, but just for the sake of balance, I think <laughs> I'm contemplate. It's, it's a system change, isn't it? And if, if like, nobody's like us can see it, then, then fair play. And there's always the coward's move of moving a 4.0 over or doing some sort of spring cleaning with your team, which is you know, something I've considered. I've considered selling Baldock to uh, Gusto uh, mm. just to move some 4.0s and just leave it for another week, get more information. That could equally be the thing that I do. 
um it's just i kind of I, i've got some questions um but it, i said if, if we can see that there's a, a slight systems weak near the united i'm sure etf eth can as well yeah Strikers then. Um, so Nicholas Jackson is of interest to some, uh, loosened at home this week, um, underperformance mm-hmm. at SGI so far, of course. Uh, Alex says he's looking to sell Watkins to Jackson this week. Uh, Watkins uh, looks like uh, Saka has also lost these, but Watkins has lost pens, probably for the best, to be honest. He had a very patchy penalty record, to say the least. Great mm. for my draft team as well. Douglas Louise is on them, uh, one of my draft <laughs> picks. Um, and, but Sam, you, 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 were, you, you were steaming in on WhatsApp. Uh, I, I'm looking, I'm looking <laughs> looking at selling Watkins I, I just feel like you're you're, you're a non-believer Sam Shun the yeah you, is what I say. you've been yeah. having a go at me all weekend for this I for any Ollie Watkins fanboys out there <laughs> I, I am on your side I promise I really like Ollie Watkins I think he's a brilliant brilliant striker not being on penalties there was a lot of conversation on Twitter and it seemed to be the conversation was people saying that they've seen people thinking it was a good idea that he's not on, or a better better for him as an asset that he's not on penalties. I didn't see anyone actually saying that it was a better thing that he's off of penalties because realistically it's probably not. But hmm. he hasn't got a great penalty record. So there is that variance that you you probably could never be that confident on captaining Watkins because there is the off chance of negative returns as well as positive returns as well. So you are that little bit more fearful. Um, but as it as it is, two assists in two games so far. Ollie Watkins is still doing pretty well. He's got one more good fixture if, of the opening three remaining, which is Burnley yeah. next week. It is unfortunate, and it's something I didn't really consider. But Burnley not having a fixture in game week two has thrown me a little bit, and not being able to see how they hold up against a more less of a Man City. Yeah, it has been quite difficult to process in my mind as to whether or not Burnley are a team that we can target and or because they did look really impressive against Man City although obviously they conceded a fair few goals it was basically the Erling Haaland show yet again so how much can we read into that not really sure so Ollie Watkins for me isn't like a desperate sell by any means because he will tick along in any given game week yes he's off pens but he the chances are still flowing to him and he was unlucky not to return more than he has done in the opening two game weeks but Nicholas Jackson despite the fact that he hasn't gotten any returns yet I've actually still been pretty impressed with the way he's performed he's led the line comfortably enough I don't think that many people were expecting him to be the the center focal point for Chelsea so quickly but I think considering he's still a young player he's only had 30 or 40 starts in his career I think he's done a pretty decent job he looks really really quick he gets in behind well and he links up play pretty well as well so because it's Luton I could be tempted I I think there are other players that have crept into my thinking though now based on the weekend's performance Wissa, if I'm not getting Mbwemo this week, Wissa could be a really good option at 6.1. Again, he looks just as likely to get those points as Mbwemo is. Yes, he's off of penalties, but let's not all tell ourselves we're expecting 38 penalties a season from Brentford. And then also Julian Alvarez as well at 6.5 for City. Again, if you're not looking at Foden, maybe Alvarez is for you. And he does look more of a goal threat than Foden. He'll always play second fiddle to to Haaland. But again, at 6.5 million, he's less than half the price of him. So I'd be more than happy having both in my side. And if I'm getting half the returns from Alvarez, (laughs) I'm still fairly comfortable with that. 
So there are other players creeping into my mind in that forward role. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think Watkins is a, an easy sell by any means. It's just looking at looking at our teams this week, it looks, as we'll get into later on, there's not many teams out there that will have a bad-looking game week three side. No, and a lot of us have two transfers. So it's, can we be aggressive with that one move and then save two for next week when there are some more fixtures to target? Watkins could be one of those options that you might you might fancy your chances yeah. in punting on an upgrade somewhere. Yeah, but it's one of those guys who ha- or managers who has got two United players. I think removing one of them feels mm. more sort of cautious of than, re- than removing Watkins to me, at least. Mm. I mean, again, it's, it's all eye testy stuff, and I, I know I've cited stats, but again, two weeks. And um, but you know, Watkins' first game against Newcastle could have got a goal and two assists. Last game, and um, the penalty when he got taken out, I mean, he flicks it over Pickford, and you know, another day he gets a bit more power on that and he scores and um, had a good chance again. Um, it, uh, I think it was in the second half as well. When he just hit it wide, and mm. again, if he'd, if he'd have scored a goal in either of those games, then this wouldn't be a question. I don't think as much. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, but Nick Jackson uh, just feels like he's he's finding his feet to me a little bit at the moment. Mm. Um, I know he's leading the line well, he's getting in good positions, but it's it's not the case that he's shown the the instinct for. Um, finishing those chances in, in the league thus far, but it is Luton next, so yeah. I can completely appreciate if you're just if you're just sitting on Rashford, for example, and you're kind of thinking, well, I've always wanted to, I've always fancied Chelsea from game week three, and as part of my plan to be to be going there, I assume a lot of people now probably have Chilwell at least. So if you mm. had like Rhys James or you had Gabriel, maybe you've made that switch already, um, and you want to double down on Chelsea ahead of a really good fixture run. No bones about it; it's a really good fixture one. They are not quite there for me as a team. I'm happy to have Chilwell, despite the fact he got a substitute at the 60th minute. But I'm happy mm. to have him. I'm just not sure at the moment whether I want. I don't, I don't I know it's one of those where you know they just look a bit too like strangers at the moment shockingly because they've yeah. just buy loads of random players which is weird because I thought I thought they looked really cohesive and like a team with a plan against Liverpool but maybe that's because they focus so much on setting up to mitigate against Liverpool that actually it wasn't so much a system moving forwards but it was just a game plan for that match. So, yeah, I, I still don't think they look too bad against West Ham. I think they were promising signs, but you're right. They they look like a team that were just getting to know each other a little bit. Um, when Mudrick came on, Chilwell obviously came off around the 60, just after 60 minutes because it looked like they were just getting in, in each other's way. So I think yeah. that's a really good example of a team that haven't quite figured out everyone's personalities and traits yet. Um, one thing that did come to my mind, though, when you were talking about not really having faith in moving Watkins for Jackson, if you're looking at um, getting rid of one of the Man United boys, there is a seven million asset at Chelsea that looked rather promising in midfield. Raheem? And Raheem if the you dream. like a player pick, <laughs> may I offer Raheem Sterling? Yeah, Raheem the dream. A very good run, a couple of really good runs and using that low center of gravity and those velociraptor arms. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's again one that I need to see more of. I'm not, uh, it's one of those where we, we both yeah, kind of yeah. collared him at the start of the season as being like the biggest price drop and therefore potentially precise, uh, being kind of a value pick. 
I think it's one where I'm going to need to see a little bit more from yeah. him and cue a brace against uh, Luton and suddenly we're all falling over ourselves to bring him, bring him in for the run coming up. I mean, it is, yeah, it, I think it, they're always going to be a stalking horse, Chelsea, over the next few. Two home games, Luton, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth away, Villa at home, Fulham and Burnley away. I mean, none of those games between three and eight worry me in terms of owning a Chelsea attacker. No Europe to worry about, as we know. I can see why people are going there at the moment. And it kind of feels like removing a United player for a Brentford player. I mean, nice to have a good fixture. Brentford have a good fixture. So it was a bit, a bit kind of like a bit crabby, you know, just kind of mm. shuffling or shuffling along. Uh, whereas with, if you are bringing a Chelsea player for a player who is kind of the fixture hardening, or if you've got money, you've started money in the bank, for example, and you've got Jao Pedro there, then of yeah. course you just move straight to Jackson. It certainly makes a lot of sense. In our situation, um, it kind of does, I, for me, it doesn't make that much sense. For you, it makes it a bit more perhaps. Um, I think what's really interesting, actually, if you zoom out for a minute, is that we there are quite a few different team configurations going around. And last year, what I hated was that we all basically end up in the same situation with the same team. And what what we're going to do? We're all thinking making the same moves. Whereas now there is kind of this sense of difference in what people are doing. I think that's really fascinating, especially especially you know, if you end up on the right side of it, it's great. Mm. <laughs> and it's about getting it right and, and kind of you know exercising that caution and at the right time. Because we have I've cited a few stats and we've both kind of mentioned as well a few elements of the eye test. But uh, that all kind of leads me back to this sort of horrible question which is gnawing away at me, even when we were talking about Bruno to Mbumo or Rashford to Mbumo, Watkins to Jackson, a Foden perhaps coming in. It's been two weeks, Sam. I mean, yeah. Can we have possibly seen enough after two weeks? I've said this on uh, long-term listeners will know. I've said this so many times. Like, if I went, I work in uh, in in, in uh, strategy and insight. If I went to a meeting and I said that something was true after using two data points, I'd be laughed out of the room. But here we are making assertions or at least trying to make decisions off two data points. Like obviously we're not multinational, multi-million, billion dollar corporations, but it's still something worth bearing in mind, isn't it? The principle of that. I mean, can we have possibly seen enough after two weeks? Yeah, I I, I think that takes me back to what I was saying about both Bruno and Rashford. Like we've got two weeks of this season, but on a lot of players and on a lot of teams, we've got more than that because we can look back to last season. We can look back to historic performances even further be, even further back than that, especially in the cases of, of Bruno and Rashford. We know them to be quality players. Nothing's fundamentally changed in the last two game weeks to make them no good at football anymore. They might be getting off to a bit of a rough start and there, there are data points we can we can take from that there are there are bits of information that we can gleam and try to inform our decisions there but it's do we prioritize what we've learned in those two weeks versus what we know about these players over several years the other thing to monitor as well is okay and Buemo's off to a great start well what do we know about him historically well actually what we know about him historically is also really positive because we saw the back end of last season when Tony was out he actually performed really well and even before Tony was out, we're still looking at a 150-point midfield asset. And, he, well, I think he was a forward, classified as a forward even last season. To be honest, he never really came into my thinking, so I never really checked. Um, but 
he he was a player getting plenty of points. If you look at his returns since he came to the Premier League, it's a it's a player that consistently does get goals and assists. So we do have that confidence that that will continue. It's not like a Nicholas Jackson where he's fresh to the league. We've never seen him in this in this uh, league before. We we haven't seen him in the system before. It's yeah. a it's a new team altogether around him as well with a new coach. So all of the data we've got to go on is these two game weeks. Whereas with other players. Foden we're looking at and Waymo we're looking at. These are players that we've got a lot more information to yeah. lean back on and inform our decisions. Even though it's only two game weeks of this season, we've actually got a lot more historically yeah. to, to lean back on as well. Yeah, we've got we've got confidence that this yeah. player, we purchased them, they're gonna cut there's a decent enough chance, whether you could put metric on that or not, there's de- decent enough chance due to their pedigree track record that they're going to come into our teams and be effective for us. Mm. And it, it comes back to that kind of elective versus and force uh, change difference that I mentioned earlier on that, you know, I'm always much more comfortable if a player gets injured, I, I take him out because there's no sort of blowback possibility against me. It's always going to be a positive, a net positive. Whereas in these situations, yes, I spent nothing to remove the player, but there's still a chance that, you know, you end up with a horrible situation where you remove the guy and, um, Bruno, if I say remove Bruno for Bumo, Bumo misses a penalty or does, or doesn't do blanks, and then Bruno gets like a penalty, gets an assist, and suddenly I just feel I, mean, I don't I don't care about that community on, on on social media, but I feel like really annoyed that I've made that move. So do we turtle completely and kind of go, you know what, right? I'm going to take that sort of four point zero, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, as Anthony loved to say, and just kind of do a Boldock to a Augusto or, you know, remove, remove Mbama for um, Oshula at um, Sheffield mm. United. Is, is that something that you do just to kind of see it out? It's difficult. It really is difficult. And uh, I think I need to locate some conviction about this in terms of how we how I kind of move forward. I do think, uh, just to round off this before we move on to bowl claims, um, it's going to be mighty tempting uh, to rem- not remove uh, uh, be, I'll be very tempted by uh, moving uh, Bruno uh, to Bumo. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but we shall see uh, where I'm at uh, by Friday. I think it's, it's almost like if I miss that sort of boat on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever the, the prices are going to change, almost definitely for Bumo, he'll probably will go up again. Don't know if Bruno's going to go down, but if I haven't made the move by Tuesday or Wednesday, then I feel like by the time we get to Friday, I'd have called on it a little bit, mm. and this kind of. You know, it's, it's whether that kind of thought process is clear enough, but that's the beauty of doing a pod like this because we can speak, talk through the positives and negatives and, and see where we're at. And at the moment, I'm kind of fairly kind of 70 30 happy to do the move. We'll see where we get to later on. Should we do bold claims, Sam? Let's do it. Let's move on to bold claims. And fingers crossed this week we actually get off the mark. Um, so why don't you run us through the bold claims from last week to refresh our minds as to where we went wrong last week? Well, uh, so we had Rashford slamming in a brace against mm-hmm. Spurs. That worked we? out well. That, that was your one. <laughs> yeah, that, that, um, that was obviously excellent. Uh, my one was that Gabriel scores against Crystal Palace. It is now the 90 seventh minute mm-hmm. and he has he is not on. done so he has come <laughs> on he came with martinelli um yep. so yeah that's 
brilliant and and he has not done so and the human the listener the listener claim uh, was that a newcastle beat city in some way shape or form and that didn't happen either so yes two weeks of consecutive strikeouts sam mm. and and maybe as we said we are going to kind of start to home in on saying something like oh yeah harland uh, to score <laughs> harland scores an overhead kick or you know something yeah. like that and um, uh, that's full-time one new arsenal so there you go full-time Okay, nice. Well, we'll have a look at our final game week score in a second. Uh, In the meantime, I think I'm first up. So Arsenal obviously won today. That's two wins on the bounce for them. I they're going up against Fulham at home next weekend, and Fulham at the moment look a little bit at sixes and sevens. So I'm going with Arsenal to have a bit of a rout against Fulham. Five plus goals is my claim for this week. It doesn't look the best claim right now, considering Arsenal just snuck to a 1-0 win against Palace. But Fulham look really shaky at the back. They look like a team very much in flux right now. I don't know whether Polina is back yet. I'm not actually, I'm not entirely sure. But Fulham are shipping XG for fun right now. So I think Arsenal are going to have some fun uh, at home to them. Right. Well, I mean, I've got, I've gone slightly differently. Um, I, I think we've we've got we've got to kind of go 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 big go big. Mm. So in, in my draft team, I happen to have the legendary Carlton Morris at Luton, uh, decent last year in the championship, and I still think that Chelsea are still going to be a bit disorganised. So I've got Carlton Morris scoring versus Chelsea, be it a nice cold penalty, uh, be it some sort of screamer, something like that. But I've got a sneaky suspicion there won't be a clean sheet there. I mean, I'm a Chilwell owner, so I'm happy, obviously, if a clean sheet happens. But I've just got a suspicion that even if uh, Chelsea do win, which I expect them to, I expect them to win kind of 3-1. And that's what we're doing in my prediction league, Jeff. And um, but yes, uh, Morris scoring versus Chelsea. I like Morris. I think he's a, looking at his FBRF data. Very good player, and he's very good in the playoff final. Uh, so yes, that's that's my uh, prediction. Uh, talisman to come through for Luton. Nice. Well, I I actually was saying to you earlier when you po- posted this through to me. I quite like our predictions this week. I think there's a good chance that one of us will get off the board. Fingers crossed, both of us do. And uh, as always, we haven't put out the question for bold claims to the listeners yet. But after the show, uh, we'll post out. Uh, I think tomorrow around lunchtime, just saying what are your bold claims for the week. So please do message us uh, on Twitter or X as it's now known at WGTA underscore FPL to let us know what your bold claims are for the week. And we'll post who we decide to be the boldest of claims ahead of game week three on our Twitter account before the deadline. Yep. Nice one. Okay. So uh, on to listener questions, Uh, just coming up to 55 minutes, which is good timing. Oh, Saliba has got, Eight points from that. Uh, Arsenal have just finished. Um, so yeah, fifty-two all out, Sam, which is not 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 terrible, not great, but Look, hitting the fifty points. like a live rank of four hundred eighteen k. So a, a, a bit of a red for both of us, I think, this week. But yeah, fairly happy with the start. Yeah, it's one that if you got two more points, oh, yeah, four more points, you do you you do a green. So. Yeah, it's fine at the start of the season. Cool. All right. Uh, those questions then. First question, we've also answered a few of them already. Uh, next one, uh, first one, uh, Seeking Duzan. Are Diaz and Et Al showing that Salah is overpriced? So Diaz scored against uh, against Bournemouth and could have had a tap-in uh, had Jota squared it earlier on. Uh, later on, uh, Jota himself scored two. 
Salah, interesting one. FPL Oakwell has commented on our uh, on my kind of usual kind of here's my beer and here's us recording Fred, and that uh, he wants us to talk about uh, the fact that people worrying about Salah uh, all all week. Uh, maybe it was a bit of a waste of time, um, but yeah, still beat Holland by six points. So mm. <laughs> you know, it's not not too bad. Assuming you captain Salah, of course. So yeah, not not too bad. Um, I mean, does it kind of underline that Salah's overpriced? I mean, Diaz in particular, like two weeks. Of course, but he's looked very, very good, hasn't he? He has looked good. I think with Diaz, I started with him last season, actually, because... So did I, I, yeah. Yeah, he was very popular. I think he was 8 million last season, so even cheaper this year. I I think the problem with Diaz for me is not not so much even the fixtures. It's just I don't know week week in, week out that he's going to be starting. Like, there are options down that left wing. And Darwin at the moment isn't in favour, but at some point he will be a factor. And then also Jota can play out there as well. Gakpo's been known to play yeah. out there. So I'm just... At the moment, I, I think I need... A bit like what I was saying with Foden earlier in the pod, I think I'd need more of uh, a case study in Diaz before I have confidence that week in, week out, he's going to be the starter in the Prem for Liverpool down that left flank. If he is, he's a very selfish player and he will chew up those chances for Liverpool. So actually having him on the pitch feels like it actually comes at the detriment of Mo Salah. So if they're both in the starting eleven at 7.5 million, I'd actually quite like having Diaz over Salah for that, that saving of 5 million because he is such a selfish player. But I just don't quite have that confidence that this is maintainable over weeks and weeks and weeks. And when there are so many other good picks around that price point, at the moment I don't I don't quite have enough confidence to go there as as of yet. I suppose though that you I mean, yes, you're paying for Salah for the security, aren't you? But then again, the price difference is, is simply incredible really even you think about it like you're paying was it five million for security yeah that's a, that's a lot of stuff that you could otherwise be doing and maybe it would be the case that by the time and i mentioned earlier on liverpool's really good fixtures coming up um, in game week five onwards hoping that we by the time we get to game week five then we'll have a better idea of who is going to be the person to back and then maybe it would be the case of just going with them. I mean, mm. even if Diaz did play um, you know, 60 minutes and you, you saw sort of Darwin eroding his minutes, if he's able to keep up momentum, same for Jota, then I think mm. you'd probably be okay there, wouldn't you, really? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're attacking enough side that they'll be getting two or three XG by the time he comes off the pitch, if he starts. And even if he doesn't, then you'll get 30 minutes at the end most weeks. That's just the way that Klopp likes to operate. So... Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the upside there. But I think at 60, if they're getting regularly 60 to 70 minutes a week, yeah, I think I can probably find value elsewhere. But yeah, around game week five or six, when the fixtures do turn positive, if he's been locked into that starting 11 and is on fire at that point, then it's a completely different decision. And we can approach it with a lot more confidence, thinking that he might be the in the first yeah. 11 week in, week out. Like, is Salah then overpriced becomes the question. Like, mm. is five million worth the guarantor of stars? Is he on penalties? I think, what do yeah, you reckon? I'm, I'm sure he is. I mean, that's not, I don't think that's a question. He's a star player. I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to see that change. Okay. I don't, I don't know. 
is is the is the is the question at the moment is is the point at the moment. I think we need to get a bit further on to the season. Hopefully, by game week five, game week six, we have more of an indication of how well Salah has done, and whether he is justifying that price tag. Because he, of course, he has historically. It, it's just because of the array of options available, five four million less than he is. It begins to be a really active question, whereas it wasn't really that way in the past. Mm. Yeah. Next question, uh, a short one actually. Is Douglas Louise actually a decent option right now on penalties? Uh, says uh, Ammons at uh, FPL Nordic Magpie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that I'm not going to do the FPL um, thing of saying he is an option. Of course, he is an option. Uh, last year, <laughs> 143 points last year, though. Um, six yeah. goals, seven assists, and on penalties potentially now. I um, think he outscored Pereira last season. I, I'm did. pretty sure I saw that in my preseason research. He was either like he either matched him or just marginally outscored him. No, he which I was really he, surprised I, with. He outscored him. Yeah, so 100, 148 points is, is is 142 points. Sorry, is really healthy. Mm. It's just whether there's a space in the squad for a player yeah. like that. Yes, that's there's too of, many good midfielders elsewhere. That's the thing, I think. That's exactly what it comes down to. Next yeah. question. Um, Amber Redmond asks, who they transfer out for Reese James? So still hanging on to Reese James, unfortunately, for Amber. Uh, they've already got Chilwell, Anana, Estu, um, and are not keen on double-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, where do you go here? I mean, who's basically, I think the question effectively boils down to who is the third kind of, template in inverted commas defender is it is it no mention of Salah Saliba there so maybe it would be kind of the case of covering your backside um mm. if you don't own him um against Fulham I know Arsenal have got uh United in four uh, but still you know, commendable rear guard actions tonight by the looks of things obviously I haven't seen the games I've been recording um decent it's, it's kind of a bit of a patchy fixture run though I mean any other suggestions there Sam? Yeah, so they're, they're not keen on double-ups by the looks of it. So uh, Chilwell, Inanna, Estu, Kabor. I So there are a few options that I'd recommend. If you're looking at saving a million, then I'd have a look at a doggy, who I've been really impressed with so far. Gets forward, Spurs looking decent. The wing-backs are, get are getting forward and look like they're getting into attacking position. So like the look of him at 4.5. Another one, uh, Rico Henry as well. As we mentioned with Mbwemo, Brentford have some great fixtures coming up as well. And Henry is known to get forward a little bit as well. So there might be the odd attacking return. I think he consistently gets three or four a season. So you might luck out and get one one out of him. And then the final one, if you've got any sort of confidence after two weeks, it's hard to. But if you've got any sort of confidence, the Man City asset that I'd probably look at right now is Gavardiol and hope that he continues to start. At five million, he could be really good value for money if he does become nailed into that City backline. And obviously he is a very talented player and there's no reason to to think that he wouldn't be in their preferred starting eleven. It's just a matter of whether or not he's ready to regularly hold down that spot at the moment. But yeah, those are the three options I'd probably float. Uh, are any of them ca- capturing your imagination? Yeah, I think um, we can bring in the next question by Jeff Pedder here, actually. He said, are we sleeping on City's defence with those fixtures? Um, mm. He actually with Guardiola um, and he's now considering a double up and I think that that would be where I'd go and um, I think you know, with, with Stones out into the international break you'd be seeing one of them 
Uh, but mm. you, you're seeing less competition, and you probably see one of them come to the fore. I think pro- probably it would be Ake for me, um, for something uh, in my mind um, marks him out as the main kind of goal threat from set pieces, especially now the port's off to Saudi Arabia, as the port was always that guy. And mm. I think that, yeah, definitely, if you didn't own Edison at the start of the season, certainly in a situation now where we've got a, an underlooked an overlooked defence uh, who have got very good fixtures coming up um, and lots of very nice kind of unique points there. In fact, I, it was one of those I, I was looking at earlier on and thinking, well, I've got no way to move a player on to one of them. So maybe next week, and maybe next week, if I kind of did think oh, I'm worried about Estepinian, just by the fact that obviously you get the attacking returns, if I'm worried about him, then maybe he becomes a assisted defender. I think that can't hmm. be where I go now. Um, because you, you obviously the Arsenal against Fulham, you get the kind of one week payoff, but the fixtures are quite mixed. Whereas with City, if you can kind of lock into Ake, Akanji, Guardiol playing all of the games coming up, um, then you're going to be looking pretty good. So I, I think I'd probably give that a go, yeah. But I do like the Rico Henry call, um, Brentford good fixtures, and he's doing something of uh, for every game so far, which means very little. Um, but that, that assist threat was always there. I own Rico Henry. I've owned Rico Henry for the last couple of seasons at, at some point, mm. and he's always just kind of flattered to deceive. Um, so I'm sure if it comes around to it this year and I buy him, then he'll do the same. But at the moment, he's doing very well, and he's becoming more of a potent weapon in Brentford's arsenal. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely options out there. Um, that's for sure. I, I I probably would be less interested in a doggy, or maybe Pe- or Pedro. But Pedro Porras only started one, but last week it was he was on the bench. I'd be less interested in a doggy. He was played played very well. It's just that I've got less sort of confidence in my Spurs defense keeping clean sheets uh, than yeah. I do with the other two. Uh, maybe some attacking returns on the way. But yeah, for me, that's Amber, fine. I think it would be it probably would be that I just kind of lump it on a City player for the time being and see how it goes. And Jeff, um. Yeah, double up, sure. I mean, that's that's really decent. If I, if I for whatever reason was wildcarding this week, I'd almost definitely be looking at Edison and a City defender. So, you want to lock yourself out of Foden, though? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. But I mean, Foden, mm. you've got the ifs and buts for assist defenders. True. You've got, you've got, actually, no, you've got the ifs and buts. Yeah, yeah unless you've got Edison. <laughs> what, am I, what am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. So we, we shall see. Right. Mm. Uh, Charlie H. Penultimate question on a scale of one to ten, how much did you both enjoy Gabriel <laughs> Hall versus Palace? Well, Very sorry. much so. It was great. <laughs> sorry, Charlie. I mean, I was hoping that my bowl claim would come through, but it's not happened. And sadly, yeah. Gabriel has not played. And um, there are some some reports linking him with Saudi Arabia. Um, mm. But I mean, I have to see. I see what happens there. Uh, final question: uh, Adam Pritchard, three five who. Does this weekend show that we can make more calculated capacity risks due to the fact that the differences were so marginal between Salah and EBH? I think oh, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think th- this week was always the week where Salah was going to have some decent EO when it came to captaincy. Past this point, mentioned the fixture already for, for, for City, it's going to be Haaland all the way up to when Arsenal and City play each other in game week eight. There's no yeah. question about that. This week was a good time where you could have gained something from Captain Holland. So it was regretful that he missed. Um, there were a couple of decent chances, I think, at least I counted or remember in the Newcastle game. But from yeah. here onwards, it's basically about the impactful 10, not about Holland anymore. Because Holland's going to be a captain. You're down, everyone's playing a game of 10 
now and that's just i think the way it is and we've got to just kind of accept that i, I wouldn't be kind of taking that on really across any of those pictures that we're seeing um, and and uh, Fair enough if you do, and fair enough if it goes well, but the odds aren't in your favour. And I, I, I just wouldn't try to be too clever about this because it, it, it could be season over. Frankly, if he does go off one of these games, you haven't captained him because everybody else would have. Yeah, even against a really fantastic Newcastle defence, he looked pretty likely to score. And even though they were half chances, they nearly snuck in. So, yeah, he looks potent as ever. And even though this week. Technically, the Salah owners have won out. It was a, a it was a penalty that Salah got in the first place. But other than that, he didn't really have a lot to go on. And Haaland, in a quiet game, was fairly unlucky not to get returns against a much more difficult opposition. So, yeah, I think for the foreseeable, it, it's Haaland for me um, until something catastrophic happens. So, yeah, I'm 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 on your side with this one. I think Haaland's probably the go-to for the time being. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I know those people like the randomness of captaincy. I don't because I, I just find it really annoying that you get the 50-50s. Those mm. 50-50s, long-term distance below, I end up on the wrong side of them. The majority, <laughs> the vast majority of the time. And I'm happy that the 50-50s are now going to be constrained to, do I sell Bruno? <laughs> yeah, Do I sell Rashford? I mean, that's okay. I can deal with that. It's not necessarily game weekending, but getting the captaincy wrong kind of can be and it can be sort of you know it can set you back three or four weeks if you get the captaincy wrong so it's nice to have that sort of burden removed from me for mm. a little while at least so we get this game week eight we'll see whether i kind of it depends on, on how arsenal are doing how city are doing whether we kind of look at that but that, that's a question for future tom and future sam that's for sure yeah right know what <laughs> transfers and captains let's do it uh your team's first but uh, to be honest we're both effectively on the same team pretty much uh so we can probably discuss it together yeah is there anything particularly on your mind outside of what what you mentioned earlier which i believe was uh bruno you're looking at to Mbwemo? yep uh nope not at all i um i haven't really thought about removing watkins and i, I think that it's probably easier for me uh mentally to just kind of just take that off the table but yeah very much on the table is bruno rashford's which one do I get rid of? And I think that I'm leaning towards removing Bruno just because the EO sort of question is probably lesser for him versus Rashford. And also, as you astutely said, um, you're removing an assister for a goal scorer if you do get Mbumo in. I think, I think you know, I, I kind of... I, I've had so many years of bandwagons just passing me by. Um, I think I, I did look at the past few years when I've looked at kind of making a change in game week three and it, I've, I've, I actually haven't done uh, two the, the two free transfers when you get to game week three for, for actually many years now I've only ever taken one move and kind of mm. have kept it rolling but the last few years I have done that and it's gone okay because I've been fairly cautious about it last year I was fairly cautious about it uh, so I think that I might do that because you've still got Rashford, you've still got that sort of you know, attacking coverage because you're assuming that Bruno assists Rashford scores almost. So you're probably okay with that. Plus you're kind of getting on that bandwagon and kind of making the most of that sort of Overton window of, <laughs> of, 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 of and being uh, to some extent FPL relevant in two weeks. Will he be FPL relevant after two home fixtures? I don't know. 
I don't know. Mm. Palace did defend well uh, by the sounds of it, the second half. Uh, so uh, you know, it might not be as cut and dry as we think. We might see a blank. Um, yeah, uh, there's always a kind of a, you know the little voice in my head saying, just remove Baldock for gusto and leave it be. Um, but I'll need to see. I think we'll, the, as I said earlier on, the key sort of crux of all of this will be when the prices are looking like they're going to move either way. Probably the Bruno drop will be the one that I'll be thinking about if, if we do get there. Of course, if 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 Rashford does kind of come close to a drop, I'm probably going to be less convinced. Now we've spoken, before I was thinking, oh, I probably would sell Rashford. Now I'm kind of much less convinced as because uh, I think you've made some good points about him. Uh, but if Bruno does look like he's going to go down to eight point four, even if I've let an Abumo rise happen, that might be the one where I kind of look at it and think, hmm, okay. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how impactful 0.1 million drops actually going to be because I'm always going downwards. But there's something in my head about making sure that I've got kind of, I kind of stop the bleed if possible. Because uh, say Bruno blanks this week again, and then and Bumo shoots again, then I end up with another sort of counter from the next deadline on, on Friday night. Where I'm kind of thinking, well, I've got to wait again until Monday, and then you know, I could by then be 0.2, 0.3 down. Mm. Uh, so that, that's just a, a situation, a scenario I want to sort of avoid. Rish, you, you're a lot more kind of cautious, aren't you? I, I am. And, and to be fair, you're, uh, the points that you've made in this pod have made me slightly more interested in manoeuvring Fernandez out for Embuemo. I think the the important thing that I'm go- I'm going to keep coming back to during the week is am I am I going to be getting rid of Bruno next week anyway? Like, is is there anything that he can do on the pitch against Forrest that is going to make me, con- convince me to keep him beyond game week three? And I'm not, as it stands, I'm not sure there really is. I think having two United at the moment seems like possibly overkill. And even though it's a good fixture this week, maybe it seems almost inevitable that I would get rid of one. I think the other thing to consider as well is if Bruno's getting returns, it probably means it's because Rashford's the one finishing the chances. So you're still covering off quite a lot of those points by having Rashford in the team anyway, or at least giving yourself the best chance to. Mm -hmm. So I I don't mind moving Fernandes out so much. I, I, I don't want to be too laissez-faire with my transfers though. I don't, I don't want to jump the gun early and I will, I will be, monitoring my mindset because I I always thought Fernandez and Rashford will stay in my team until game week three, then I'll make a rational decision after that. Um, Watkins to a Jackson is the other move I could make. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think Watkins as well is probably treading water a little bit in my team. I think it is inevitable. I will get rid of him in one or two game weeks time. So it's whether or not I want to jump now I think there are better value players. I know, I know you hate me right now. There are better value players potentially out there that are 6 million, 7 million with great fixtures coming and Watkins fixtures just aren't quite that positive after the Burnley game. Whether or not I do it this week is a different a different matter, but I think one of those two will probably go this week just so I don't leave myself with three moves that I want to make next week and only two transfers to do it with. 
Um, mm. If I, I'll, I'll put it on my team really quickly for anyone watching on YouTube. I, I've got a doggy rather than the second 4.0 defender. So I can't really manoeuvre to Gusto unless I get rid of Kabor. And I'm fairly comfortable having Kabor there for, for the time being. So I don't think that's an option I'll be pursuing myself. It'll probably be one change to my starting 11, either Watkins or uh, Bruno out. Or because, to be fair, we haven't been watching the Arsenal game, do we know that um, Martinelli or Saka aren't injured or, or something's gone on there? So I'll check that out before making a decision. But yeah, as it stands, it will probably be one of those two moves. Cool. Well, here we go. Uh, I think we were all done for this week, aren't we, Sam? A really interesting discussion. I feel like uh, it's pushed me in a particular direction. I was came into it open-minded, and here I am now, watching the um, the Imbumo and the um, and Bruno prices. It looks like actually Imbumo may rise tonight. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> How many beers have you had during this pod? Are you, are you drunk enough to make that move now, or are you going to wait? No, it's not. It's it's it's, it's, it's uh, I've, I've had two, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> not enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. So all good. Well, we will obviously let you know what our moves are closer to the end of the week. If you do go and check us out on Twitter or X, as it's now known. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll go through the details of where you can find us in just a second. We were who got the assist. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd really appreciate it if you could. Uh, follow us on the socials, which are Twitter or X at WGTA underscore FPL or FPL Pricey for me personally on Instagram or threads at WGTA dot FPL. Or again, I'm just FPL Pricey on there as well. And then also, if you could give us a five star rating on wherever you're listening to the pod, that would be Really, really appreciated. Really helpful to get it out to as many FPL managers as possible. So whether that's Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening, that would be fantastic. And if you've been tuning in on YouTube, which I know quite a few of you are these days, if you could like and subscribe to the channel, that would be greatly appreciated. Again, it just helps us get out there. The algorithm is really tough on YouTube. So the more the uh, the more likes and subs we can get, the better. Thanks, Sam. Well, we hope we assist you this week. Let's see if we do jump on those bandwagons or not. Uh, we'll speak to you next week. Sayonara. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.